0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Third and final hour on a Tuesday afternoon where it's nice outside. I mean, it's nice as 75, but considering with all the snow that is uh, coming, oh, goody once again. It's not bad today. Tim Miller joined us before. I have uh, read Tim's work for a long time, watched his work. I think the guy's really good. He is smart. He is funny. Uh, and novel concept, he tells the truth. Tim, uh, longtime Republican. <clears throat> prominent positions. Part of the McCain campaign in 08. Press secretary for John Huntsman in 12. Joined the Romney campaign once he won the nomination. Was a part of Jeb Bush's Campaign as a senior advisor in 2015. And then Tim observed Donald John Trump and started being a part of groups to point out the nonsense that Trump was a part of. Continues to do that. He's left the Republican Party, but he's prominent a number of places. I read his work, The Bulwark, a lot of good stuff with The Bulwark. You see him contributing on TV in a number of outlets, including another very good show, uh, The Circus, Inside the Greatest Political Show on Earth. And Tim is with us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. A lot of topics to discuss. Thank you so much for coming on, sir. Let's start with CPAC. You were there. I want to get you back and forth to Carrier Lake at some point. But outside of DeSantis, the Republican big knockers were there. The main names were there, including... The forty-fifth president of the United States, from afar, Tim, it just didn't seem to have the juice. The crowds um, were down. Uh, Trump seemed tired, but the nonsense, the just uh, the bizarre comments, were still there. How did this CPAC compare with others? And what does this say about the next uh, 18 months as we look ahead of the campaign?
2: Well, thank you for that uh, kind intro. I'm blushing out here. I appreciate the kind words about about my work, doing my best. Uh, Look, CPAC was uh, interesting. I I definitely think it's fair to say that it's lost some of its juice. Um, uh, There was my friend Rick Wilson compared it to, you know, one of these Newton stars that's it's shrinking. It's just as hot as ever, but the star is shrinking—the <laughs> size of the star—and yeah. and I think that was an apt analogy. Um, here's the the big question, though: is is that it was the crowd, was this crowd size, was the energy shrinking because people are ready to some of the mega, some of the Republican base voters are ready to turn the channel off at the Trump show, or was it shrinking because kind of the whole party is CPAC now? And back when I was going with Jeb in 2016, it was the one big contact a year. And nowadays you've got a million uh, things like this, and there are a lot of different opportunities. If you're a MAGA uh, activist and you want to go to an event, uh, it's not just the only one. And so you know, maybe there's just a bunch of different channels that you can turn to. So I, I don't think we'll really know until we get into primary season next year just how tired Republican voters are of, of Trump and his antics. But, but definitely in this one weekend, it didn't seem quite as ra- raucous as it had on its glory days. It had a little bit of a fat Elvis vibe.
1: What did you think about DeSantis' decision to not go to hobnob with some of the more high rollers out um, in California?
2: I think it made sense. Look, DeSantis is trying to position himself as the big fish that can challenge Trump. And so you don't want to go on stage and, you know, be one of the 20 different Miss Americas that are are competing, uh, you know, to be second chair to Donald Trump, right? Um, And so I think that he is – he launched his book last week. He had his own platform for that, for, for a book launch. He had a lot of opportunity to do media, which he did. So I think he sees himself as um, you know, maybe uh, offering a, a separate path from Trump rather than having to play second fiddle to him at CPAC, which he absolutely would if he finished a distant second on the straw poll. So I, I don't know that there's much to look into that. I think that, that DeSantis is definitely planning on running. Eventually, he's going to have to go toe-to-toe with Trump. I think he's delaying that as long as possible. Uh, for some reasons that are obvious. And, um, and, and you know, we'll see how that shakes out.
1: I want to ask you about uh, DeSantis and Pompeo. Excuse sure. me, in this way, because Pompeo is going to run and DeSantis is going to run. And it's just a matter of time. Pompeo is becoming more prominent in his criticism of his former boss. Now, I know we had 16 individuals who challenged Trump, and at various times they were all confident that they could stand up to him, and they did. Trump won. I mean, he, he beat them all. For me, I think there's something different about the confidence that DeSantis and Pompeo in particular have in their belief that they can expose Trump when they're on stage with him. Now, I can make the sports argument that, Mike Tyson used to say all the time, yeah, everybody's got a plan until I punch him in the face. So maybe they all have a plan until Trump goes, you know, one of his typical rants, and and they will. But do you think it's different for those two in particular and how they feel and how they feel they can expose Trump if it's a smaller group and they're a part of it? Yeah.
2: Well, look, uh, anybody who has the cojones, to go up and try to punch Trump in the face, you know, he handles it, I'm for. So, you know, I, I think that, that for too long, Republicans have shied away from that. Um, and, and and the only way to beat somebody is through them. I mean, I guess you can keep crossing your fingers and hoping yeah. he just dies or disappears, but it's been eight years now, that strategy, and hadn't worked. So uh, if, if, if Pompeo wants to try that, I'm for it. Uh, I, personally, I'm skeptical that he's capable of that. I mean, he has stepped up his criticisms, but he doesn't really seem to say Trump's name. You know, it, it, they seem to be kind of weak punches to me. Um, and and I, and I think that DeSantis, or excuse me, that Pompeo is a man that's outside of his time a little bit. I think that he's a, a Bush-era Republican, and, and I think the party is looking for a MAGA Trump-era Republican. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm skeptical that, that he's going to be able to do it. DeSantis, on the other hand, is a MAGA Republican um, in spirit and in policy. Uh, and so, you know, I think that he's got a good story to tell. And, and you can already see him kind of dipping his toe in the water about basically arguing that, that, you know, he's a more effective person than Trump and that, you know, Trump said mm-hmm. he was MAGA, but he didn't build the wall and he didn't do all the stuff he didn't do. Um, so can Trump can – now the question for DeSantis is can he do a toe-to-toe on stage? And I went to see him in Florida for the circus last week, and, uh, you know, the guy doesn't really have a ton of stage presence. And he's going up against an all-time apex predator who was on network TV. You know, uh, it's hard to compete with that uh, when you're a dorky Ivy League politician type, right? So uh, we'll see whether he's capable of that. I think DeSantis has a better is better positioned though than Pompeo. You know if, if he's up for it. Um, you know when when the bright lights are on.
1: So let's stay with that part because I keep making that point to friends of mine who are just convinced that DeSantis is 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 a a Reaganite. And I'm like, calm down. Remind folks, we're talking to to Tim Miller. You can follow Tim on uh, Twitter at Tim. ODC. You can read him at the bulwark. You see him on the circus. You can read his book, Why We Did It. I think that's such a great point on DeSantis. He's had a ton of success in Florida. And as a congressman, he was nondescript and Trump did elevate him. Trump is right about that. But he's so controlling. His press secretary is, as you know, um, the most outspoken press secretary I've ever seen in my life, right? So they're just so picking and choosing. And all of a sudden, Tim, when he's got to go to Iowa, New Hampshire, get on stage, with Trump multiple times, I still have no idea how he's going to hold up. And anybody projecting that he's just going to walk through Trump, I think you're a bit, you're projecting and you're a bit naive about the star that Trump still is. He's not what he was in fifteen and sixteen, but still with about thirty to thirty five percent, they'll walk through fire for the guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well two points to that. One on just DeSantis' ideology. Uh, maybe he was a Reaganite at one point. But um and surely he has some more classically conservative, you know, training than Trump did, you know, who was like basically a New York liberal who just like started faking it um and, yeah, and switched he just to becoming right. For- Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Donald Trump hasn't read any Locke, you know, for forget William F. Buckley. Right. So DeSantis has some of that conservative grounding. But but, but if you look at the way he's positioned himself, um, you know, he's positioned himself basically as a MAGA culture warrior. Uh, You know, there's no there's no conservative grounding in in attacking and specifically targeting one company because they exercise the right to freedom of speech in a way you didn't like. Right. There's no conservative grounding. And like back in. When Jeb was running, it was like this idea that, that the state government or federal government would tell local school districts what they were allowed to teach and not teach was anathema. Our common core was this big thing that conservatives were outraged about. Well, now here's DeSantis putting in patriotic common core, right? Demand, the state demanding what teachers could teach. That's, uh, so So he he has caught on to this more mega-culture warrior element, and I think that that is what is going to animate his campaign. Now, can he do that on stage next to the guy that originated it? I think it's a tough question. I think maybe I, I, I don't. The people who say that Trump is dead and DeSantis is definitely going to run over him, I, I think that th- that's naive. The people who say that DeSantis can definitely do it, I, I think that you know, uh, or excuse me, that Trump's definitely going to crush him. I think that's naive too. I, you know, I think DeSantis has some good mm-hmm. arguments yep. that he can make from the Trump's right on on on. That, not that I agree with, by the way, but on coronavirus, on immigration, that that Trump didn't go MAGA hard enough, right? Uh, and and so I think that that could be a compelling argument that could work for him, and, and it will remain to be seen. But but I think that his pivot away from Reaganism towards MAGAism is what makes him vo- viable. If, if he if he ran as an old school Reagan classically liberal conservative, he, I mean, he would be Nikki Haley. He
1: wouldn't have a chance. Yeah, we got about three minutes left. I encourage people to yeah. to go find the circus on Showtime, where Tim just exposes Carrie Lake. Where again, it's well, we got the proof. We got the proof. And you're you're right. You're like. Where is the proof? She lost in court. She she lost. It's it's similar to carry to to Donald Trump and all of his losses. But I want to finish in talking about Tucker Carlson and yep. Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, gives Carlson access to behind the scenes footage of January sixth, and he rolls it out, and the MAGA uh, crowd is just aroused. They're just they're frothing. Look at what we've seen. I think it's pretty interesting today the number of Republican senators who've called it out, basically said it's BS. The Capitol Police have called it out. The Sicknick family has called yeah. it out. I mean, considering what's come, come out, out in depositions about Tucker Carlson's credibility, as if we were surprised by this, by the way, if you're going to view this as great journalism, Tim, I live in a suburb in Minneapolis. I'm going to tell people they believe this is great journalism. I have the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean in my backyard, and I'd like to sell (laughs) in my house.
2: Um, Yeah, look, uh, it's morally and ethically repulsive to try to rewrite the history of January 6th. So just on the merits, what Kevin McCarthy did. Is, is just horrific. I feel for the Sicknick family and all these folks. Like, why? Why do we want to try to relitigate this? We all saw what happened. Okay, we all saw it. This is like right after the loss of the Confederacy. How they immediately started trying to, you know, rehabilitate what the war was really about, the lost cause. How we all know what January 6th was and what it was about. Yes. So, like, let's not insult our intelligence. The political part of it, though, is what I find the most perplexing is that this is just a massive political loser for Kevin McCarthy. I mean, you're in suburban Minneapolis, but this is swing in swing America. We just saw this in the midterms. A lot of folks wanted to vote for Republicans because they're upset with Democrats about crime and certain other issues. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, but, but they sure. looked at them, and they're like, you guys are crazy. You, you guys have lost your mind. I, I can't vote yes. for Kerry Lake. I can't vote for people that were sympathetic with the people that stormed the Capitol or the people that are on the side of the Capitol stormers. So why would Kevin McCarthy, after experiencing that in the midterms, think, you know what, the right thing to do is let's relitigate January 6th again. Let's get all of my members of Congress speaking about, it, about how the people that are in jail are, are, are wrongly being per- persecuted. I mean, this is just an idiotic political move that he that he made in order to protect his right flank, that he can stay a speaker. And I think it's really going to harm, 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 you know, the party standing in in the short term, for sure.
1: Let's not forget part of what Kevin McCarthy said on January 6th itself. The violence, destruction and chaos we saw today was unacceptable, undemocratic and un-American. And then he's trying to put out this sanitized version.
2: That's what uh, happened. He was there. We know what happened. We don't need exactly. a, We don't need a, a Tucker Carlson to try to spin a false history.
1: Tim, great stuff. Thanks so much. We'll reach out again. Thanks, brother. Tim Miller, the Bulwark. Uh, Tim ODC and a part of the circus, the greatest show on earth. Okay, we like to mix and match. Miller was excellent. We need to get him on more often. We don't do a lot of the days, do we, Harrigan, where it's blank day. You know? Like Heinze is the utmost. A little bit, right? Yeah, our big national days. Sure, yeah, we, we yeah. stay away from that. It's National Serial Day. Oh. Nat- I saw a story where they listed the five greatest cereals of all time. Give me the greatest cereal of all time. In your opinion, Dave Harrigan, I'll give it. I'll give you the list. And you, through a text, you're going to only have one cereal just today. Not for the rest of your life. That's a different one. But you're, you're going to have cereal today. You're going to have cereal during this break. What is the one cereal you would have on National Cereal Day? And if it turns out it was National Cereal Day 10 days ago, whatever. I saw it today. No, I think it is today.